right. Right on. And uh, Bitcoin is over 10K, isn't it? Either? It is over 10K, so it gets the salute. <laughs> uh, the, thing, the thing I've been watching is Ethereum. I mean, that's just been oh, wild. It looks yeah. like it's in a bowl. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, today here uh, is our, I think it's our 36th episode of the Crypto Happy Mind 36. Podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> Um, and for the special anniversary edition, we have Dan Conover. What's up, is that how you say it? Yep. And uh, on, on Telegram, I, I know him from Telegram. He's known as uh, Data Center Dan. That's right. So I, I take it we're going to be talking about uh, data centers today. I mean, we can talk about, you know, whatever we want to talk about, but I'd like to kind of say a few things about it, at, you know, in the next yeah. 45 minutes or so. Yeah. Yeah. Bitcoin, yeah. mining, uh, mobile containers, all, all that stuff. You're, you're really into them, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, I've been doing this for, for so damn long that, I mean, it's, I, I can tell you guys all the way from like a tier one out to a, you know, Bitcoin mine where someone just tried to be as cheap as they possibly could and it didn't work. And then, so, yeah. So, so Dan, tell us how, how did you get started in this industry? Where did it all sure. begin? So I was working for Amazon doing okay. design and learned about Bitcoin and probably like both of you guys or anybody else watching it. The first time you learn about it, you stay up for 48 hours straight. You know, your girlfriend or wife thinks you're <laughs> fucking crazy. <laughs> and then you start telling all your friends about it and all your friends are like, you're, you're crazy. So when uh, was this? What was the year? Was this 2017? No, this was uh, 2011. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> you were in the first then, wave. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was back before like everyone was just like, you're nuts, man. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, why do we need new money? You know, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like money, money works. We're li we live in the US. I mean, it, it's just, it's good here. Um, and then, so I started doing stuff on local Bitcoin because I was just kind of like, I just want to get into this thing. I don't know why, but I want to get mm -hmm. into this. And uh, this person approached me and then met up with me and was like, hey, I'm buying 300 Spondulis. And they were, those are like actual server units. I, I love those units. They were phenomenal. Did, did you know what they were at the time? What's that? Did you know what those Spondulis, were? Spondulis, like. I, I mean, I knew I'd mined on like little USB sticks. I like okay. the whole process, but he oh, okay. found me on local Bitcoin. And then he set up in Digital Fortress, downtown Seattle, 25 cents a kilowatt hour. Wow. And wow. It was just like apparent almost immediately that he <laughs> was not going to make it. And so we were like, hey, man, like we can develop a data center and uh, i mean it sounds like oh cool you guys developed a sweet data center it was the most janky <laughs> but those, it was those a were, ratchet data center oh, it was it was so bad uh, there was actually a picture of it in 2017 when wenatchee was trying to shut down the crypto mines like there was oh, a picture wow. of us building it being like this consumes as much power as 100 homes and it's like just two racks <laughs> sitting in a warehouse like uh, but turns out the guy was running a ponzi scheme and oh, so yeah. it kind of, it was bad at first, but it ended up with us taking his assets over. And then one thing led to another. Now we have about 12 megawatts spread out throughout the U.S. We've done projects in Sweden. Um, it's not like we have any secret sauce. We've just, honestly, we've just failed so many damn times and learned from our lessons. And Yeah, there's yeah. no other choice but I, to I mean, do it the right way, right? It. Yeah, well, it's yeah. not It's not an AWS facility. I mean, it's not, you don't need 10 gigabits with triple redundancy and all these tiers of security. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's there's this balance between cost yeah. and efficiency and lowering your employment as much as you can. Unfortunately, I hate saying that, but <laughs> that's part of the game. 
No, yeah, because uh, a lot of people are trying to really trick out their data centers, and it's mm-hmm. not necessary sometimes. And then there's some people that are just trying to get get by on the cheap. And mm-hmm. you know, there's there's pros and cons, like like you're saying, it's it's uh, a balance. Well, there's really three things that, and it seems to be uncommon for everyone to hit it correctly is the most important thing is the air system. I, I don't know why, because air is, air is engineering, but it's also kind of a science. Um, uh-huh. The electricity, everyone almost gets right every time. I mean, sometimes they do it in a too cheap of a way with aluminum. Sometimes they do it too expensive. They could have saved money, but that one uh-huh. they usually get decent. And then the network is also kind of like the air system. A lot of times people don't get that correct, but it's those really, that's just the three attributes of a decent Bitcoin mine. Yeah. So tell us, yeah, tell us about the air. What what needs to be right. done with the so air? In 2013, somebody somewhere, and I know there's not a lot of like Bitcoin mines on the internet, but somebody decided to do like this horseshoe look where you're sucking the air out. But where does the air come from? Well, it doesn't matter, right? We're just going to suck it out. It's like, no, no, no. It's still, <laughs> you still need to supply the facility with air somehow. So if if you pull the air out as hard as you can, one, you're going to overwork your fans because they're just under a lot of stress. It's called static pressure. Uh-huh. And then it, it, it's going to come through the door cracks. Like if you ever go into a facility where you open the door and it slams shut, they have oh, a yeah. problem. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, I've been to ones where you're like, this is going to break my arm. Oh um, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's like in a regular data center, which I get it. It's all about cost. In a regular data center, you do a push pull. And mm-hmm. um, when you're pulling that air out, you're actually lowering the density of the air, which lowers the cooling, the, the coefficient of cooling formula also. Sure. You need denser air to Correct. get greater cooling. Correct. And so when you provide positive air rather than, and I'm not saying negative air pressure doesn't work. It does. But you have to make sure you vastly oversize your intake. But if you do positive air, what you're doing is you're oversupplying the room with the air that's needed. So let's say you put in 100 units and the machines only require 90. Well, now you take those fans and you lower their load. And so rather than the system fans working at 70% because they're having to be part of the air system, now you're Mm -hmm. overpowering them. And so they have to work at 30%. And HVAC mechanical is tremendously more efficient than you know, direct current, tiny little server fans. When you have that nice three phase motor, it's, it's quite a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, so like this facility, we, this is our office. We built this since we've been running this and we had some drywallers come in and uh, they didn't, we, we move a lot of air here and. Oh yeah. Yeah. Every farm I, I, moves a lot of air. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, you, you tell, there's this one time that my business partner, Wyatt called uh, a greenhouse company and was like, Hey, I need some advice. When we were first getting started, he's like, we're going to move hundred thousand CFM and like 3000 square feet. And they were like, dude, you're going to blow the roof off. He's like, no, we're, <laughs> he's, he's like, we're actually going to do this. <laughs> um, but what happened here, because we positively pressurize everything is that uh-huh. they didn't wet sand, they dry sanded. So all the sand and all this air, it's Which, just blowing yeah. everywhere. So, I mean, I was pissed, but the office got destroyed. The warehouse got destroyed. I mean, it was a huge cleanup oh. project, but the oh, data wow. center floor, because it was pressurized, all of that dust stayed outside of it. Ah. So There's also a benefit of cleanliness in a pressurized environment. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've seen a lot of really, really McDirty farms. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. We have like just, a whole reverse osmosis system to clean you know, 
<laughs> one time I, I went into a farm and and I just set my hand down on the desk, you know, just to have a conversation. And when I lifted it up, it was just pitch black. It oh, was yeah. the worst. Yeah. <laughs> just we like got, the inside of the miners were. Right. Oh, oh yeah. We got we got miners from Virginia and they were just like right after the fan on the hashboard, they were like black. Mm. And we were trying to figure out what the hell that was. And the only thing we could think is that it was like soot and coal from the air. Oh yeah. Just like yeah. a year of running with no filtration. Like it was nasty. Yeah. And you, you get the ones that are, are uh, close to the sea and you got the seawater, you know, the sea air coming in. Yeah. The, yeah. the salt yeah. And, and all that stuff. Yeah. And there's really nothing you can do about that. That just corrodes the hell out of it, you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah. So you, you have a, a company now, um, Tesseract. Is, is that your, your main company or what? So you got a lot of other things going on? So Tesseract's definitely my, my focus at the time. Um, what we're doing is uh, we're doing high performance modular data centers. I know there's a lot of competitors in the space, um, but so we do a lot of consulting work. I mean, the ebbs and flow of the industry, you know, when times are good, obviously let's like focus on keeping the equipment up, buying more equipment, things like that. But when times are bad, which it does happen in crypto half the year, we consult and uh, there was a facility in the U.S. that we went out to, and they'd purchased a container, and they basically wanted us to help them with like some water prevention and, and a bunch of different uh, things like that. And I, I felt terrible because I was like, "Hey, man, like it would be cheaper for us to just build you one." And right. The yeah. Client, the client was super positive. He was like, "Well, let's do it. Like, you guys seem like you know what you're doing. Let's let's go ahead and do it." And on the flight back. Uh, me and one of my now partners were just sitting there being like, is, this is going to be something that's definitely in demand. Mm -hmm. um, just because, oh, yeah. I, I mean, one of the biggest challenges is cost overruns is, is you're like, okay, I have this, it's always a freaking sawmill, but I found this sawmill and we're going to like retrofit it. And then they get these estimates. They're like, we we're at, you know, 150,000 a megawatt. And the next thing they know they're at three, 300,000 plus and they're about to go out of business and they're out of cash flow. I mean, it's, it's a, I've seen it. I've seen it from consulting and working intimately with projects mm -hmm. like that. And so the idea is like, you know, the cost of the miner, you know, the cost of the data center, you know, they're both going to work at this point in time. I mean, I know the S 17s had some issues, but I assume those are all going to get fixed. The S nines have been tanks. Um, and the idea is that you just can put it on your books and I'm not ripping on the industry at all, but this is kind of like a spreadsheet based industry when it comes to miners. Like, yeah. here's, here's what I calculated and it's just going to work, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> they don't think of all of the craziness that happens. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, I mean, our biggest thing is we bring air up through the bottom of the container. So we actually do have. Yeah, I noticed that in your design. Tell, tell yeah. me a bit more about that. That's very different than other designs that I've seen. So, I mean, water is the enemy here. And when you're pulling air from the side, um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I know everyone will say they have like shields or they have an awning or something like mm -hmm. that, but it, it's too high of a risk, especially when you're like in Texas with crazy, like, oh yeah. Storms. I mean, where, yeah. where it's like, it comes down where it's like people are throwing buckets on you and then you're trying to pull that in from a very small medium and suck it through. I, I mean, it's just, it's too risky. Mm -hmm. And so with our, with our design, and I mean, I, I've been in one of these things in a torrential downpour and 
I, the first thing that I thought is it was thunder and lightning. I was like, I hope we ground it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is this, is this how I die today? <laughs> oh, I man. hope somebody grounded, grounded <laughs> yeah. the system well. It was like, how much do I trust the electrician that hooked this thing up that I don't know? <laughs> um, but I mean, it's just get rid of like rather than trying to solve the pro, just get rid of the problem, bring it in through the floor. And so we filed okay. a patent on it. Um, surprisingly, we were approved for it. And nice. Uh, that's going to be our, our, our niche with it is that we can, you know, bring it in, make sure your air is positively pressurized, uh, well supplied and that, you know, the techs have a ton of workroom too. Cause that's another problem with containers. It's not a lot. Yeah. Of yeah. The, everybody's trying to shove as many miners in, in a, a space as possible. And, and that's, you know, they, they feel that that's an advantage. Uh, but it's not always about how many miners you can fit in one square foot. When like when we do hosting, I, I know the way that this goes is it's like, how cheap can it be? And a thing I always tell people is like, sure, you can go find five cents in China or Malaysia. Mm -hmm. But what happens when you're only up 70% of the time? Is that are you going to oh, yeah. factor that in? And so when you have these containers that are just packed to the max and the airflow is not proper, you have really turbulent airflow, not laminar airflow. I mean, it, it it's it can be a problem. And so what we're doing is just solving the rain problem. We're solving the air problem by providing a positively pressurized mm -hmm. environment. And then, uh, and then people don't think about the way that the actual servers work. So there's a temperature sensor on, uh, well, now they're on the ch every chip, but when the system yeah. starts, it's like, Hey, I'm 22 degrees Celsius. So it's like, okay, I'm gonna do some calculations and it doesn't change. So as the day goes on and you do this, that machine mm -hmm. is actually going to become more or less efficient back and forth. Yeah. So what we've done is we modulate our fans up and down all day long based on the temperature in there. And okay. you might think that's like, okay, well, it can be 70 degrees in the, you know, in the middle of the day and then 30 at night, but just slowing that down a lot like very stable it very much just stabilizes that air temperature in there so mm -hmm. so at night you slow down the fan so the temperature maintains a, a, a stable temperature and then in in the heat of the day you speed up the fans to evacuate that excess heat and it's oversized 125 percent. the goal is to never have your system run 100 percent. say it just just the same with electricity like think about a circuit breaker as soon as you hit 100 mm -hmm. it pops it goes pop yeah right but you see all these farms where their air systems are running yeah. flat out and it's still not enough that's oh yeah that'd be yeah. like running your circuit breakers over over yeah. the limit it's not a good idea so dan can you give me an idea of deployment uh you know how long does it take to get one of these on location and set up sure so right now covid is a little weird we're going back sure. between square d and eaton um we've looked into developing our own panels but it's just it it would it, it's a better idea to just let the ul listed long-term an electrician sees an Eaton panel. They don't even question it. You know, if they see mm -hmm. uh, a panel that someone like us produced, they're going to be like, okay, I want to know everything about it. I want to talk to yeah. you. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I know, <laughs> I know exactly about that. Yeah, we, like we make PDUs and, and oh, yeah. you know, they're oh, the same yeah. way. You know? Make sure you get your ETL yeah. listing and make sure you yeah. get your ETL listing if you can. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's say a client orders typically we're four weeks in, we're getting close. Uh, so like we take a 70% deposit for or four or five weeks, we're getting close for the client to come pick it up. Uh, obviously okay. like if a ton of orders came in, that's going to be like way skewed. Um, but our, our goal that we tell clients is order to delivery is, um, so it's actually not, we stopped retrofitting 
shipping containers. So we actually build uh, our own. So that that's okay. actually, and, and the reason being is rust. I mean, rust and cutting into the units and trying, it, it's too time consuming and it, it, you don't know what you're going to get. I mean, sometimes you get these single use containers that are just beautiful. And mm-hmm. then the, the next one. That Other you times, you, yeah. Oh, it's just shit. Like, <laughs> life, life is a box of chocolates. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, so you send me the first one is good. And then everyone I order after that is just a piece of garbage. Like, thanks, guys. Um, yeah. Why are you sending me your like B and C and D <laughs> stock? You know, like. Because well, um, you're just going to keep ordering, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So, and we can control the process better. We can do it faster. Um, and actually, a shipping container isn't the exact legal maximum that can go down the road on a standard oversize. So okay, we actually bring it up to that exact maximum. So you don't have to have like a pace car and things like that. Okay. Um, All right. And so it's actually, it's a 51 and a half foot unit. So it's not quite 53. The -hmm. extra foot and a half wouldn't give us anything extra. It really wouldn't. So yeah. Might give a bathroom for the workers. Already already lifted off the ground. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Right. Um, while we're while we're taking this kind of little break here, I'm gonna take a moment to talk about our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by EcoChain. An up-and-coming player in the cryptocurrency mining industry, EcoChain is focused on powering their expanding set of data center assets with 100% green energy. And I think this is really awesome. EcoChain is a new venture wholly owned by the publicly traded company Mechanical Technologies Incorporated, and you can find them on the stock exchange. EcoChain wants to secure the blockchain with green renewable energy it's good for the planet and it's good for the crypto ecosystem because we get a bad rap you know talking about all these power situations and using all these things uh we need to be forward thinking we need to be thinking about uh solutions that are going to be long term not just exhausting our current resources EcoChain is currently looking to acquire additional mining operations aligned with their strategic models so if you have a mine and you would like to sell or equipment you think might be a fit, uh, go ahead and give them an email. And Scott's going to put up their email uh, right now for you guys to see. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, proposals at ecochainmining.com. Um, check them out. All right. Thanks, Ethan. Thanks, Ecochain. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, that is kind of true. I'm always worried about the mines that are running off coal. Like that's right. <laughs> Cause there's a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> keep, keep our minds clean, stay yeah. green. <laughs> like what's going to happen if like global taxes come out on coal driving the price way up, you know? Like, oh yeah. That, I mean, yeah, it's it, going to happen. It, it's, it's, it's been on its last leg for a long time and we've had lobbyists and politicians, um, you know, just try to, you know, keep it going and keep it going. But everybody knows the writing on the wall. This I, I wouldn't be surprised if in 20 years it's been almost completely annihilated. I mean, it kind of just has to, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it just has that, to. Yeah. But I mean, the price of the price of wind and solar is getting pushed down so far. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. terrible that the uh, the tax credits for solar are gone now. But mm-hmm. I mean, as those economies of scale just get bigger and bigger and bigger, I mean, it it just doesn't financially make sense to build coal. Well, and, you know, we've also got to consider, too, um, you know, hydro is another big thing that that we need to reinvest into. But beyond that, there are, well, they're actually very old nuclear reactor designs, but there are alternate nuclear reactor designs that are extremely safe. And they they were decided against by the Department of Energy in the 1960s because 
they did not make um, radioactive fuel that could be used for nuclear bombs. And so the idea was with our current nuclear infrastructure as a byproduct to them generating energy, they would also create this fission material that would be good for making bombs. And that's why they decided to go with that design. But there's another design um, that's far more safe, has far less waste to it. And I really think we need to open our eyes to that again as well. Yeah, you're talking about like TerraPower, Bill Gates' funded company? Uh, that is uh, also referred to as a candle wave reactor or a slow wave reactor. Yeah. And that's a slight modification to what I'm talking about. This was actually a design um, that's similar to that, but the uh, slow wave or the candle reactor is uh, a bit more sophisticated. And it was actually meant to be like a home grade reactor. Like you can put this thing in your backyard and for a hundred years, <laughs> it'll <yeah>. generate electricity. <laughs> and if it were to ever crack open, uh, the radioisotope would just turn into like a crystalline salt that, huh. you know, and, unless you were to go and pick it up and eat it, like, you know, it really wouldn't do any harm to anybody. Interesting. Um, and what was really interesting about the slow wave reactor is um, as soon as it's expended its its nuclear fuel, you can just reload another pellet of fuel in there and it'll go on for another 100 years. And and um, when it's all said and done, the radioactive uh, material that's left over is like next to nothing. Um, but yeah, huh. it's very similar to that technology. Yeah. Let's, I thought it was a cool idea because they talk about like our, our grid is so massive and you know, we have our power sources, like in Washington, we have all the hydroelectric and that power. Right. You're mm -hmm. out in Seattle. You're like, well, where's all this power coming? It's all coming from the, I mean, the dams out in the Columbia, which mm -hmm. technically, I mean, it makes it very vulnerable for the Northwest. I, I, if we were like in a mm -hmm. war, that'd be a prime. Oh target. yeah. Yeah. Bombing. Mm -hmm. It's, it's down. Yeah, you totally. guys would be total blackout. And there, there goes all of our Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Asher would definitely go down. <laughs> I don't know with everything going on in Texas, maybe not too bad. <laughs> right. Yeah. Texas yeah, is, is really up and coming, man. Well, because they're, they're really pushing that wind profile. I mean, it's, it, yeah. it's, and it's just the economics of wind make, make so much sense. Like they're, well, they're, they're they've, they've got solar, they've got wind and, right. and they've got, they've got everything there. They do. Yeah. yeah. And their grid is disconnected from the, the country's grid. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they're, yeah. Texas. It is, Texas. A, it is a good place to be staged up. I just, I really hope they don't do a bait and switch like, you know, that's happened so many times in the past yeah. where they get all these big power hungry industries in and they're like, yeah, I know Ooh. you like the <laughs> 2.9 cents, but we got to raise it to 3.5. And, you know, and, you know, finally they just squeeze everybody out. Yeah. I mean, that's that's I've lived that a couple of times out here. It's uh, it's not fun. And, and once they get it in their mind too, I mean, it's like politicians, whether they're lobbied and mm -hmm. get into place, it's like they've made their stance and they're going to stick with it. So it could be their entire term, but if they're deciding to fight off the crypto miners or the high energy usage mm -hmm. miners, even if they change their mind in the middle of it, they're like, nope, this is my objective. And it's, uh, oh, I, I mean, I lived Grant County lawsuit. It was terrible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tell us crazy. about that. What, what, what happened with that? You know? So I, I get it. I get, I get their perspective. Like I, I got to actually know some of the commissioners, but so we went out and built out there and then uh, all of a sudden it was like two, uh, 2017 was happening. And yeah. so I just imagine this tiny community, this PUD that probably takes like one phone call a week. Like, Hey, I'm moving my house. Okay, cool. And now their phone's just ringing off the hook. And so they don't know our industry. And so they were, they were writing down, like I call and say, I want 200 megawatts. So they'd write it down. That's mm -hmm. 200 megawatts of potential energy load. 
And so they have like 3,600 megawatts of production out there. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they had like over 2000 requests. And so step one, they put a moratorium in place, which, which that makes a lot of sense, like pump the brakes, slow it down. And then they made the decision that, oh, we're these rich crypto miners that can afford seven, eight cents. Right. So, but the thing is, is that they were, they were lobbied by the agriculture people out there who Mm -hmm. get subsidized by the rate. And so they're looking at this as those pumps for agriculture use a ton of energy. Um, they're looking at it as like we farming is so skinny already. We can't have those energy costs go up. So these mm-hmm. crypto miners who don't live here, they're not from here. You know, you guys can like, you can get out. Right. And yeah. So then it became this educational process and they passed this rate into place that was like, oh, you guys will adapt. But, mm-hmm. and, and what was terrible is that at the end of it, there's only like 34 megawatts out there, not 2000. Right. They're trying to claim that like, oh, there's 2000 in the queue and half of these businesses, one, don't exist or have gone out of business. They're not Mm -hmm. responding and things like that. This was like a multi-year process. And it was it was like trying to educate someone who was closed minded. And and I'm not trying to say anything bad about any of the commissioners and stuff out there. Sure. Um, But even worse was that a lot of the commissioners that when the lawsuit was ending, uh, it was all new people. So. Some of yeah. the people that were in it were like, we actually want you guys here. You guys do create investment. You do create jobs. They do make money on the power they're selling us. It's not a ton. Yeah. But but I get it. Their, their, their job is to create industrial growth and use that to subsidize the agriculture. And so they see, and then they sell a shit ton of power out on the open market. Well, I mean, honestly. Yeah. And so they also look at that's their bread and butter. So if the local guys who don't give them a huge margin are consuming all the power and they're not selling on the open market, then, um, you know, they they were very worried, but they don't understand the economics of the industry and things like that. And so Mm -hmm. it was a very quick decision. Um, Yeah. And, and, you know, the Bitcoin mining reward uh, (laughs) every four years. Come on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Oh, it was, it was, it was terrible when we shut down because they were just like, oh, you guys are actually leaving. It was like, dude, like, yeah, we, it wasn't just a threat. <laughs> like, yeah. We were, like our, you our don't understand how our business works, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. But I mean, so like, you're right. I, I look at maybe like in Texas, they set up, you know, hundred megawatts, 200, 300, whatever they're going to get to all of a sudden are they going to go like, oh, there's a blockchain tax. And then they're like, wait a minute, we built our whole model around the economics of this, you know? Right. <laughs> so, so Dan, you know, currently Bitcoin uh, is a touch over 11,000, I believe. I'm, I'm not looking at the, the price right now. Yep. Um, where do you see it going? Where, where does it need to be oh. for, for this to still be a viable model this, in the uh, industry? This is a good question because it's always either up or down, right? Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, if I mean, it, obviously, if if it stayed at five thousand for twelve months, I think the vast majority of the industry would collapse. Yes, I think so too. Um, I think like eighty five hundred is really the floor. Uh, okay. Because a huge portion of the network is still supported by S nines, and mm-hmm. if you're at two and a half cents, three cents, it makes sense. But, I, but not really. I mean, it's not yeah. attractive. It's not like someone's going to invest in that. And then you need an institution to come in to invest in new, new equipment. I mean, you're going to have yeah. got small guys buying like five, six, seven, you know, maybe 30, mm-hmm. 40, the richer guys, but, but yeah, Scott, Scott and I are, are definitely seeing that we're seeing institutional money coming in yeah. um, and, and just basically 
you know, they're they're going to split the the earnings of the miners with you while you paid them back. And then once you paid them back, then, you know, you get a hundred percent of the miners or whatever, but you're absolutely right. There's, there's all these people that have just thousands, tens of thousands of S nines and they've done all kinds of crazy tricks to them, you know, put in firmware overclocked them and tweaked and, and whatever. And they're just barely making money, but they keep on at it um, because they don't have the capital reserves to just dump them all and, you know, get new machines. Right. And, and that's, I think, a huge problem is because the next step in crypto mining could be these massive debt plays where people are taking on millions and millions and millions of dollars of debt. Um, and honestly, for some firms that have billions in assets, and this is 2% of their portfolio, they don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, like, yeah. This is, if it like, breaks even, here's some chump change. Exactly. Like, and yeah. that's, I think we're right at the beginning of that. Yes, I, I agree. I think that's why you see Bitmain putting spot and future onto onto their price model so Mm -hmm. someone in there is a quant and they were like okay this is going to go institution and these institutions can just you know amortize it out over a decade and so Mm -hmm. let's do that and now you're pushing out these actual operators who can't afford it and it's very much like centralizing it i'm a big gpu proponent i've always been a gpu proponent i mean okay I mean, we were mining Bitcoin on GPUs. That oh yeah, yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. you you were OG man from back 2011. <clears throat> so tell that, me about the uh, the spot and the future orders. Um, what is yeah. a spot order to you? What is a future order to you? Oh, like in mining or in actual? Yeah, yeah. Just when when Bitmain <laughs> when Bitmain says a spot order, what it, what does it mean in the industry? When it says a future order, what does it mean in the industry? It means that they're shipping I, right right now. You're going to yeah. get it right away and be able to plug okay. it. Okay, you know? like for, on the spot, right? On the spot, it's going to happen. And then futures is you're waiting for this slot, usually for a discount. You know, it's you're getting mm-hmm. it for ten percent off of what the spot order would be into a future time and. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's say you're like, oh, in October, I'll get this discount. And then you calculate out the your expected earnings. It usually lines up pretty good. Obviously, when Bitcoin pops, it doesn't. But yeah. Um, and that is also, you know, you, you have to really rely heavily on the delivery timetable of Bitmain. What we're finding is that because of some internal conflicts going on with them, they're actually pushing out those future orders um, and, and not, you know, being timely with their delivery. Right. And I don't know, that's sometimes that can be scary, especially with everything. Very scary. Oh yeah. Like, I know that, um, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty big into, to what's minor at the moment, just because the quality of their product is for so far from my experience is I don't want to like go tell every, everyone buy what's minor. Sure. Yeah. But (laughs) I've so far, they they haven't had any, you know, they haven't had the like the S17 failure, you know, they, it, every model they put out has been uh, seemingly fairly Like a stable. workhorse. Yeah, yeah, like a workhorse, I mean, you know. It, working on them sucks because they're built so well, but that's a, I mean, that's not really something to complain about too much. Like, oh, it's built too well. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they should have made this more chancy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I, I think I think with the S17, what happened is they use because if you look at the thermal epoxy, um, mm-hmm. so I the reason I think what's happening is that when it the S9 couldn't handle ultra high heat very well, which your data center shouldn't ever get super sure. hot. It, I mean, but people have data centers that get super hot. Yeah, and so they had the problems there. You'd have your heat sinks fall off when it would expand on the high end, and so I think Bitmain was like, "Oh, I got the solution. Let's use high temp thermal epoxy." 
but high temp thermal epoxy doesn't go the other way. And uh -huh. so now when you get these machines getting too cold and that's why they shut they down. Boom. Yeah, exactly. The new firmware shuts down at like 10 C now. It doesn't huh. go to zero. And so huh. then when it goes, but it's still, the machine's still going down. And then, you know, that, exp that contraction all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. pop. Yeah. It just then, pops it off. Interesting. The well, there's, opposite. there've been some other issues too, um, with, with temperature system, temperature sensors themselves, not being of, uh, optimal quality and, and causing other issues. Just like, um, non-reporting something like that. Uh, I, I can't remember exactly. Scott, do you remember what the, uh, no, I, I don't know the exact issue. Yeah. Yeah. There was something about, um, you know, a, a basically a, a thermal runaway or something on the board and it was due to. Uh, a bad temperature sensor or poor quality temperature sensors. Um, another complaint that I've heard is that the PSUs for the S 17s are not, um, they're not overbuilt. So they're kind of pretty much running at full capacity and the ability to overclock them um, will be very, very challenging if possible at all. And that's like it. what everyone wants to do is, you know, immersion. Exactly. Exactly. Immersion, immersion does make a lot of, it does make a lot of sense. I've had, <laughs> I have my opinions of it. It does make a hell of a lot of sense. And like we've, yes. played, we've played with it. Um, it's just expensive. And when you're in this industry of how cheap can you do it? And then all of a sudden you throw into this, like, oh, let's do a really expensive thing. Uh, mm -hmm. All of a sudden it's like, okay, now I'm just confused. Mm -hmm. um, but hearing that, see, I, I didn't know that the power supplies weren't overrated because everyone has that idea of like yeah. i'm gonna put it in oil sure over the out of it. yeah well yeah. i mean even even if you just air cool it you know it's natural to load it load in some sort of alternate firmware and then optimize it and, and overclock it or whatever um and one of the uh one of the huge setbacks that i'm hearing about is because um the the power supply units they're smart power supply units so they actually create like a balance between all the hash boards mm -hmm. And um, so you can't just you can't just feed straight power to the hash boards and everything will work fine there. They, they have to kind of be finally regulated by the power supply unit. And that communication channel between the hash boards and the power supply unit is encrypted. Right. So nobody's been able to crack that. So the only way we're going to be able to create more robust power supply units is by understanding that fine balanced communication of how the power supply unit is balancing everything. And nobody's cracked that yet that I know of. Um, so a lot of challenges going on with, with the newer models to, uh, to get the most out of them. Yeah. yeah I know, uh, who was that? Mike from alpha minor was, was trying to work on a mm -hmm. oh, yeah, PSU replacement. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I think they can go to 20 volt. Is that right? I could be wrong, but it's, it's definitely, it goes higher than 13 volt. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I've worked with some aftermarket firmware on it. You just really don't get a benefit out of it except for overclocking it. At least at this yeah. time, because with the S9, the aftermarket firmware, you get ASIC boost, and so that. Oh yeah, yeah. But the new the new chips already have it enabled out of the out of the box, so mm -hmm. right, you get the ability to overclock it. But I mean, that's why like these are switch PDUs. Switch PDUs are like a absolute must, especially when you know your your machines are that expensive, making that much money. Just because something goes down, you can automate the switching process on yeah. top of what they're doing on board. So speaking of PDUs, what are your thoughts? Uh, should you go ahead and spend the you know two or three times more expensive cost for a smart PDU, or is it just better to have like a dumb PDU um, with remote uh, on and off switch? Do you want to be in business for one year, or do you want to be in business for a long time? 
Yeah. I mean, so what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, if I was to do consulting, that's exactly what I would yeah. tell you. I'd say, do, are you, is this a, are you burning your investors cash and trying to take the money and run? Mm-hmm. Right. So we, cause well, I, we can build this thing as cheap as you want, but if you want longevity, I mean, like it's nice sitting in like, so today we had the Ethereum deck got to a point where our four gig cards started having issues mm-hmm. and our technicians are able to, so they had to stop the mining process and then they had to, capture it right before it started because the mining process would start and the watchdog would be like hey this isn't working reboot right Mm -hmm. and so using switch pdus they were able to freeze that and have control on the power level and so rather Mm -hmm. than sitting down in the data center where the hot is 130 degrees because it's 105 out in washington today they could sit in an air-conditioned office and just rip through it super quickly Mm -hmm. right um and you know it's Ridiculous as it sounds, seventy percent of the issues are just unplug it, plug it back in. Yeah, and you can do that from a desk, but then you just go into the PDU and you just say when it's less than a hundred watts from this outlet, reboot. Or you can build fancy software. I mean, I've seen some crazy, crazy fancy panels. We had a run at it for a while. No one wants to pay for it, but I mean, (laughs) (laughs) and there's there's open source solutions too, like Zapier and things like that. Um, Right. I'm like a huge switch PDU guy. I mean, okay. I'm like it, it's the best because like if Scott's like, Hey Dan, like I want to send you like one miner so I can test. I'm going to be like, sweet, because I can tell you exactly how much power you're using. And then mm-hmm. at the end of the month, me and him aren't going to have an argument about it. And yeah, and that's, that's a huge <laughs> thing for like uh, hosting facilities. And right. um, one thing people don't think about is the PUE and that's the, uh, you know, the HVAC, the networking equipment, all the other things it takes to run the facility than just what the miners pulling. Yeah, so, sure. I mean, the- yeah. When, when people are saying, Oh, it, it, S nines are, um, breaking even right now at three cents or at four cents. Well, yeah, that that's, if you're not including <laughs> the yeah. rest of your facility. Yeah. Right. yeah. Your what about the lights and the, the in, intake and yeah. the outtake fan? What about like, you, you know, what about you? How yeah. Much, yeah. How much do you want to take from this thing? <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. so it just gives you that full control. And if you're a smart guy, you can, you know, it kind of gives you the the whole data center under automated control. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just the idea of like, it's the weekend, you're out having some drinks with some friends and you get alerts like, hey, you this just yeah. happened. Oh, right? man, let, let me fix this. <laughs> right. Well, ho- no, hopefully you are already automated it. It'll go right. you something happened and it solved it for you. <laughs> Even better. Yeah. Yeah. And and like you said, there, there's the, the two different scenarios, you know, one, if, if you're a hosting company and, and you, you want that fine grain control to be able to, to have that hundred percent uptime. And then, and then there's, you know, the cheaper option where, yeah, okay. You you don't mind if your miners go down for a little bit, you uh, on the weekend or on the way home or whatever, you can stop at the farm and just reboot stuff manually. Mm -hmm. So there, there's those two different scenarios. One, if, if you have investors and you want to burn through the cash or, you know, whatever, if you're just a self miner and, and want to save money on your, your build out costs. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what we, the Tesseract, the, the idea behind it, all the automation that we've done on board is that it's monitorable and you can automate the entire thing and mm-hmm. you can set it up yourself, plug everything in, make sure it's all nice and neat. Well, we help everybody out with that, but then you wow. can walk away from it. You can just walk away from it. And yeah. obvi- obviously like, there's physical the fans break, you know, like on mm-hmm. the machines, things do break. There's so many moving parts, but yeah. Um, just the idea of like, I don't need to hire a technician to be here 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or if you absolutely. do, maybe they can handle two or three of them. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So, so Dan, tell uh, everybody in our audience how they can reach out to you and uh, get in touch with you if they have more questions. Sure. It's sales uh, at tesseract.io. Okay. Can, uh, just go to the website. There's like a million contact us forms all throughout the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> I, I just started up a telegram as well. There's a big icon in the menu. Uh, you're going to be talking directly to, to me. If uh, you go in there, we're going to try to build a, a little community as things come up because okay, uh, as we progress to sell these things, really, I want to build like a, a model where they're delivered and you're like, Hey Dan, like I can't figure out how to control uh, the PDU to this miner. And, uh, you know, I, mm -hmm. I want to start building a, a form where it'll start out as, as me and my team talking to people, but really the way these telegram communities work, uh, all of a sudden it's like your customers start talking to each other and helping each other. I, oh yeah, I, absolutely. I see, yeah. I see you guys in this all the time. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's cool the way it works really. It's you build yeah. this like 24 seven support where it's not even your own people. So, <laughs> but yeah. um, you know, right now we're, we're just getting off the ground. We have a couple of these out. Um, I got, I do have, uh, video I just put out so you can actually see a physical one and things like that. Oh yeah. I definitely like to go visit one sometime. If oh that yeah. Would be they're, possible. they're cool, man. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, you walk into it and you're like, Oh, this works. Like I I'm sure you guys have been in some minds before. You're like, this doesn't. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You've been in some where you're like, Oh, this feels great. You know? Mm -hmm. So you, you definitely get the perspective of like, okay, this thing was thought through all the way. Um, yeah. Watch out. Uh, Nick Foster just joined your Tesseract group. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and me, so, so now, now you have six members. Nice. <laughs> oh, hopefully That's that pushes awesome. up. <laughs> and Nick's probably going to write about feet or something like that. Yeah, Nick Nick or likes pizza. to kind of do some oh, colorful. I talk, yeah, I talk to Nick all the time. He's a jokester. Okay. I can't ever tell yeah. if he's serious or not. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I can't either. Only when it comes to <laughs> Bitcoin mining and and money, that he, that's oh, yeah. when he's serious. Yeah, but it, it, otherwise, it, he, it's it's goat sound. He leaves voicemails with goat sounds, and he, and, and he sends me pictures of of miners with feet. Oh, today he like he wants some he wants some uh, some product that we have, and I like told him what it was, and then two days later he says bump. And I was like, did you just bump yourself? <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, hey, it was great talking with you, Dan. Yeah, and uh, getting to know a little bit more about Tesseract and, and yeah. your, your take yeah. on the mining industry. It's, but, it's, fun, um, it's fun stuff, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And Bitcoin keep rising. Yeah, keep going. Well, oh. well it's, it's down to uh, 10999 right now. Uh, All right. Maybe, yeah. maybe we have to keep, keep the podcast going. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll stay above 11. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool, guys. Um, hey, have a great night. All right, guys. We'll talk that was again. a pleasure. Bye. Take care.